Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Dr. Karen Randall is an emergency room physician in Pueblo, Colorado, state uh, that uh, legalized pot more than five years ago, Colorado. She's trained in pediatrics and family practice and holds a certificate in cannabis science and medicine from the University of Vermont. Dr. Randall works out of one of the busiest emergency departments in Colorado, and a big reason for that is? Is um, all the drugs that we're seeing in our community. So marijuana? Marijuana plus additional drugs. Um, I'm trained in emergency medicine, and I spent 18 years in Detroit, and I thought I was moving to Colorado to slow down. For a quieter life. For a quieter life. And it turns out that I moved in 2013, and it was exactly that. It was a quieter life. But in 2014, something changed, and our small community of 160,000 became inundated with quite a few people who had all kinds of substance abuse issues. And it was really related to cannabis and the, and the legalization of cannabis. And when you talk about the legalization of cannabis, we're talking about high-potency cannabis. This isn't Correct. your Cheech and Chong marijuana. This is not marijuana. the cannabis that we used to think about. So and most people don't understand what's going on because I think when people say, and I'm guilty of that myself, when you say we legalize marijuana, we think about what was in the 60s and the 70s and even in the early 90s. And if you looked at an average joint from that time period, it was one to three milligrams. But what we have in Colorado now is a typical joint is between 18 and 25 milligrams of THC. So if you compare that to what you were seeing at Woodstock, if you smoke a joint at Woodstock, you're smoking the equivalent of nine to 18 joints currently. And in addition, the industry went so far as to now create all kinds of ways that we can uh, increase the potency of our THC. So we're seeing dab, wax, shatter, and this is high concentrate THC. And when you say high concentrate, what does that mean? Because 90% THC? Right, it's 90%. So on average, 90%. There are some companies that... um, have bragging rights to having 98, 99% THC wow. concentrates, but most of what we're seeing is a roughly 90%. And so if people smoke a dab, they're smoking anywhere from 90 milligrams to up to 225 milligrams. Of and what THC. is that doing to people? And why are they coming into your emergency department suffering from what? What, what, what are their symptoms? Well, it depends on there is a lot of symptoms. Um, primarily what we're seeing in the emergency department is overdoses. We see a lot of accidents. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Karen. They, they tell us that you can overdose on marijuana. Well, but you can. I've seen it several <laughs> times. It. I'm just here to say you can. You can. Yeah. Um, I can, can I tell you a story about Please. an elderly sure. man I saw who came in basically catatonic. He wasn't moving. He was breathing, um, wasn't responding, and he came in as a stroke, and he got a huge workup. And at the end of the workup, the family said, do you think the fact that he ate enough marijuana butter, which is the precursor for edibles, um, that that could be it? He ate, I figured it was an estimate of 2,200 milligrams of marijuana butter, and it took hours for him to recover. Um, and though he did recover, it was certainly at expense to the system. So there is definitely overdose. I see a lot of overdose with edibles where people become acutely psychotic. There was a, a 
family coming to visit from out of state. As soon as they crossed the state line, they got um, they stopped at one of the retail marijuana dispensaries and bought some edibles. And the um, wife, who was fortunately not driving, decided to eat one. This, as with the problem with edibles, is most people don't wait long enough. Didn't have any effect, ate some more, didn't have any effect, ate some more, and then all of a sudden it hit her, and going down the highway, she became acutely psychotic. Um, well, you mentioned retail marijuana dispensaries. I've never been in one. <laughs> uh, describe it. What's one look like? Uh, where are they located? That sort of thing. Well, they're located in a lot of places, and unfortunately, most of the places that they're located are in neighborhoods with that are lesser affluent. Our, my community is not an affluent community, has always been a blue-collar community. And of our 160,000 people that we have in my community, we have almost 50 retail and medical dispensaries. They're usually in a building that has high security because they wouldn't want people to steal their products. And um, they're all over my community. So I want to go back to something real quick. So first of all, I'm just shocked at marijuana butter. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? All right, but but you're talking about psychotic incidents, and that's not a laughing matter. Um, what kind of security do you need in the emergency room with these people oh. coming in? I mean, that's that's got to be kind of uh, scary to the staff, the medical staff. It's incredibly scary, and we've had many incidents of uh, employee abuse, nursing attacks, that kind of stuff. Um, we've had to increase our security, Ari. Um, We've had the support of the local police as well, and I can think of a number of incidents where we've really needed them. We had one young man who was an adolescent who became acutely psychotic while on vacation, and he came back, he was seen, and we decided that he needed to be admitted. And he got admitted to an off-site adolescent unit. At that point, he had another psychotic break where he attacked three of the healthcare workers and stabbed one of the security guards. He was tased. Oh tased multiple times and that didn't affect him until he got some antipsychotics um and so so is this akin to now tell me you're the medical doctor to a pcp high where you know they're uh, i don't know if you can equate that but yes they're they're psychotic they're They're very psychotic and usually requires either ativan or sometimes an antipsychotic to control them and, and then we have to observe them so yes acute psychosis it seems to happen more frequently, in, at least in my experience, in younger people, teens, early 20s, and older people. What else are you seeing? I, I've read something about scrometing. Scrometing is a term coined um, by Dr. Lev from University of California in San Diego, and it's a coin between screaming and vomiting because we, we do see this. Wow. It used to be a rare case report where people would have repetitive vomiting, upper abdominal pain, and it's related to people who are chronically using marijuana. And we don't know why certain people get that. So um, you can, have an allergic reaction, is, it, is that what I it is? I always say it's like an allergic reaction, but we don't actually know the mechanism reaction that causes these people to be sick. But you can close your eyes and hear it. And make the diagnosis most really? of the time. So it's 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 it, pretty loud. And so many times we'll have people come in and not do they just don't come in once, but they come in multiple times, many times, and trying to explain to them that they're they're vomiting after negative CAT scans, negative workups, etc. Explaining to these people that their symptoms are really being caused by the marijuana, they become very defensive and they almost always say, but it treats nausea and vomiting. <laughs> so I actually did some outreach with some nurses and hospice nurses and one of the hospice nurses told me that they had a man 
in their hospice program who was having so much hyperemesis that he was actually dying. From vomiting. Correct. He was wasting away. And and all these incidents. And he wouldn't stop. Correct. They're in denial. Correct. Isn't that kind of an addiction uh, or uh, kind of indicative of someone who is addicted? Correct. If you asked me as a medical personnel, I would say yes. (laughs) If you asked the marijuana industry, they'd say people don't get addicted to marijuana. (sighs) But they do. But they do. They clearly do. All these incidents of uh, people coming into your emergency room, that has to be a real strain on your health care system. Um, it's been an incredible strain. It's been a strain on our community in general. So our community is 160,000 people. We've had two hospitals in the community, and one hospital is all but closed due to really poor financial services or financial statistics. So that leaves our one hospital, and we are clearly working hard to keep up, and we're, we're not. Our wait times went from less than an hour when I first started six years ago to now we have frequently have wait times of five to seven hours. Wow. Wow. And and what about the homeless community? I understand that homelessness has increased dramatically in Pueblo um, because they uh, are looking for many people are coming into the county because they're pursuing marijuana. Right. And it wasn't even gradual. It was almost as if overnight we had an increase in our homeless population. We have a, an entity called Posada, and they take care of the homeless people. Um, and in 2013, they took care of a total of about 2,500 individuals. By 2016, when they closed for the first half of the year, they had had 7,500 new individuals come and ask for assistance with housing. Um, our community was inundated, and the people very clearly will tell you they moved so they could smoke marijuana legally, so they could in, enjoy that kind of um, lifestyle. Unfortunately, they didn't move with jobs. They didn't move with housing. They didn't move with medical care. They brought many they medical didn't, they issues. Didn't, they didn't have any other ab- ambitions, did they? Correct. They brought many of their issues. I believe a lot of people thought that they would come and enjoy employment with the marijuana industry, smoke pot, and make a lot of money, and that is truly not the case. So uh, as a medical professional, setting aside just the the symptoms and the consequences, health consequences to using marijuana, there's all kinds of other consequences of the homeless community, right, Uh, that are presenting. You know, I mean, I I can only imagine the sanitary conditions and the infections that could, you know, plague the homeless community am i right oh it's it's not different than a refugee camp if you go to some of these and i've been to some of the the communities um and it really isn't different than a refugee camp but it's here in america on the side of our river the coli counts are really high i was just telling someone today that there was a uh, super fun site that is the community the land is embedded with um, all kinds of arsenic and poisonous chemicals. It was an old mining site. There are very big slag piles, hills, and the people have realized that they could chunk the slag out and live, use that to make fires. And when you go out there, they're basically living like cavemen in a slag cave using the slag to make oh fires. This is in 2018. And they're numbing themselves with the marijuana product. Correct. And not just marijuana, though. Then, then it in, in, t- and involves And then most would you drugs. say it's a gateway drug to other... Although the industry says no, I'm here to say it is definitely a gateway drug. From your observation, your experience. Without question. Well, this is Illinois Family Spotlight. We'll continue our conversation about marijuana after this. Marijuana in your church and community. 
it is patently wrong. And really, it's a weapon against the people. Join Pastor Greg Livingston, other Christian leaders, and the Illinois Family Institute for this important meeting to stop the push for pot, today's dangerous, high-potency marijuana, Monday, January 28th, at the Drake Hotel in Oak Brook. Show me a community where the legalization of a drug has helped that community. It's not gonna happen. Drugging a people is another way of segregating a people. Marijuana in your church and community, Monday, January 28th. To attend, call 708-781-9328 or visit the events page at illinoisfamily.org. A complimentary breakfast will be served, 708-781-9328, 708-781-9328 or visit illinoisfamily.org. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Could the transgender revolution really be fueled by a social dimension, a social contagion? That's what a current and now very controversial peer-reviewed study has found. The headline from The Economist in London was this, Why are so many teenage girls appearing in gender clinics? The author of the academic study discovered that there is a clear social dimension, a contagion of what's called gender dysphoria, particularly among adolescent girls and young women. So what does it mean? It means the recent spike in transgender identity may be attributable in large measure to the influence of other young women in the same place at the same time within a definable set of relationships or going to similar places on the Internet. You may have sensed this already by observation and intuition. Now, the academic research supports it. I'm Albert Moe. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larry here along with David Smith. Hello. And our guest is Dr. Karen Randall, an emergency room physician in Pueblo, Colorado, a state that legalized high-potency marijuana. Let's emphasize that, high-potency right. marijuana more than five years ago. A lot of problems in Colorado. They could be coming to Illinois if our... Wise lawmakers <laughs> decide to legalize high-potency marijuana And we know that Governor J.B. Pritzker is going to champion this because uh, uh, even before he got sworn into office, he said this is a top priority for his new administration. Of course, they're seeing dollar signs. Well, his family has ties to the marijuana industry. They, they stand to gain. Right. They own vaping company, right, a big yeah. stake of the vape vape industry is involved in marijuana. See, oh, which Is which, there a conflict of interest there? I don't know. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Randall, vaping. We're seeing also uh, wet lung disease type things going on from vaping. And now that could be tobacco, but they're certainly using it for, to, for marijuana. Oh, they're most definitely using it for marijuana. To think our youth is using vape pens to just vape nicotine is really insane. Yeah. They're most definitely using it. And the what we've seen early, and I don't actually think long-term we know what all this is going to do, but we're seeing a lot of really significant small airway disease in the lungs related to vaping, and some of it doesn't look like it's reversible. So, you know, if we let, as Governor Hickenlooper was great to say this is a grand experiment. It's a grand experiment. But you don't have a real experiment if you don't care about the outcome, and our outcome is very clearly becoming visible. And so if as long as this continues, I think in five to 10 years, we're going to see harms like we've never seen before. And in my professional opinion, this is going to be worse than the opioid epidemic because there will be long lasting consequences. Wait, 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 wait. 
Marijuana is supposed to be one of the solutions to the opioid epidemic. Right, and all you have to do is go to the website for the Colorado Department of Health and look, our, we, we obviously have had very liberalized marijuana in our communities and our opiate deaths are continuing to climb. In fact, we have had record number of opiate deaths. And you would think if marijuana was going to be an adequate or suitable treatment for the opioid crisis, we would have seen a tremendous decline. And in fact, we're seeing an increase. And I think last year was a record number of opioid so deaths. So we're seeing an increase in the United States of, of overdoses, right? Deaths by overdose. Correct. But we're also seeing a, a rise in suicide numbers. Is there a connection between drug use and marijuana, specifically since that's what we're concerned about here right now, uh, and depression and, and um, suicidal thoughts? Um, what I'm seeing in my emergency department, there sure is. And we know that the number one drug associated, and again, you can look this up on the Colorado Department of Health, the number one substance that we find in kids aged 10 to 19 in completed suicides is marijuana. Say that again. The number one substance in their blood? Correct. For, at what ages? Between 10 and 19. 10? And 19. That's is, shocking. Yeah. Wait, but this is legal marijuana. It is legal marijuana. But it's not legal for 10-year-olds. Correct. And it doesn't seem to be any penalty. And the number of young kids that I see using on a daily basis is just increasing. And in our community, which I, I figure is a pattern for the rest of the United States, it's a yeah. fairly close community, um, in fact, this year, our schools are experiencing a 38%, say that again, 38% chronic absenteeism rate. Wow. So are you saying that if marijuana becomes legal for adults here in Illinois, high-potency marijuana, that more kids will actually start using marijuana here? Um, that just stands to reason, and of course, more kids will use. As you liberalize and you make this part of a norm, these kids are gonna follow suit. They're gonna do what the adults in their lives are doing, and the adults yeah. in their lives feel that this is a benign substance, it's a harmless plant, and so the kids, in fact, are starting to use, and many of the patients that I see, very many of them, get pot from their parents because they figure, well, they'll smoke it with me. So, uh, Dr. Randall, you and I were talking before we recorded this this podcast, and you used the word medicine. Is there this perception that pot or marijuana is just medicine? Right, everybody in the community now. No, I have very few people that say they just do it recreational. Everybody calls it their medicine. I use it for my medicine for anxiety, my medicine for vomiting, my medicine for whatever ailment, and it's all termed a medicine. Well, talking about kids and what kids see their parents do and they're available to it if they're, it's in the so-called liquor cabinet, right? <laughs> Mom and dad's stash. Um, but there's another aspect here. Science just came out with a, um, an article that said that frequent use of marijuana can actually change sperm and you could pass this down to your kids. What, you know, you're the medical doctor here. You tell me, give me, give it, give it to me. What? What I understand. What I'm not understand. a geneticist, yes. but it doesn't <laughs> actually <laughs> really change the sperm. It changes the genetic or the chromosomal ah, makeup. Okay. So we are finding, and and it's true. I, the industry will tell you that it it alcohol does it too, and it's true. Alcohol does it sure. as well. You lose a, use a substance long enough. 
that you change the genetic makeup of your well, chromosomes. Well, fetal alcohol syndrome, right? Right, you have fetal alcohol syndrome. You also have alcoholism that runs in families, and the same will be true for cannabis. There's early research out being done by a physician in Australia who is looking at communities with high marijuana use, and now we're seeing genetic anomalies associated with that, some cardiac as well as some stomach genetic anomalies. Um, but this is really early research, and we've been working on that um, to show a pattern where use of marijuana is high, and we've seen some anomalies. Is there any way that Illinois lawmakers could learn from Colorado and make sure that legal, high-potency marijuana doesn't make its way into the hands of kids? Is there any way they could do that? Well, they could come visit me. If you have, if this is an open invitation to the governor of Illinois or any of the senators, please come visit me. Please come visit us in southern Colorado. Spend a day with me and see what I see. Because at the beginning of all this, I thought, oh, it's just pot, right? Just pot. And in fact, I, I don't make any money from speaking out or speaking up, but I have to because I see the side effects and I see the bad effects of what is a great experiment by Governor Hickenlooper. And I, I see those every day. And yeah. so if you're a lawmaker, if you're the governor, come spend some time with me. Come see the side that isn't supported by marijuana dialers. Come and see the true community effects. Like how much does it cost a community to take care of all these illnesses? Yes. How much does it cost a community to lose kids who are drug addicted at the age of 13 or 15 or 18? And and a 10-year-old suicide. I mean, correct, really. The, the only thing that these kids are going to grow up being able to do is be dependent on a benevolent government. Yes, exactly. And, and, that, right. and that's one of the points that I try to make to my libertarian friends, that this is going to grow the nanny state. This is not uh, um, freedom. This we is are not, not liberty. We are making yeah, self-dependent and right. self-supporting individuals. So let me just ask real quick, too. I don't want to glance over her disclaimer that she's not getting paid because I've posted enough stuff on on Facebook and social media where the pro pop proponents come back and say, "Oh, you're getting funded by right, you know." I'm getting funded by, by big pharma. Nobody. So yeah, I yeah. want you to make sure we underscore right. that that you're here on your own volition. You're not being. You're not an employee. You know, and and you're doing this because you are deeply concerned about what you've seen and experienced. I'm Absolutely, 100% very concerned. And most of us in the group of people that I know that are speaking out are very concerned. We're, we're not getting paid. Um, and I think that each person in listening to any podcast, any source of information has to ask, what is your involvement? And what is, yes. we call it disclosure. Right. Um, I'm certainly going to, if I'm making money from the marijuana industry or I own some vaping pen operation, I'm certainly going to be more likely to to be a proponent of and to propose. And I'm certainly more likely to pre present false information. I, I can only give testimony to what I'm seeing on a daily basis. Yes. And so, again, it's a public invitation to the governor of Illinois to come spend a day with me. Mm. You know, I spoke with a Republican lawmaker who is uh, leaning toward legalization. And he said, you know, we could learn from Colorado uh, we can regulate it. We could uh, limit the THC levels. Uh, we could make sure that edibles uh, don't appeal to kids. And that is a good pathway toward legalization. What do you say? Um, I don't see a need to legalize any of this. I mean, 
I follow urine drug screens in the community. I've done this since 2013, all the urine drug screens done in our emergency department. And my total end number is over 40,000 at this point. And no, we didn't increase the number of urine drug screens we're doing. We are doing drug screens simply for traumas, altered mental status, and those who are coming in with psychiatric issues. So really over time, our number of drug screens done every month has held the same, but what I have seen is that there have been a dramatic increase, not only just in marijuana, but in all drugs. In the last um, six months of 2018, there was probably a tripling of the amount of methamphetamine uh, going on in our community based on just following our urine drug screens of the community methamphetamine use up with the advent of legal marijuana. Correct. Wow. Parallel. Wow. What, from your medical perspective, what should voters be telling their lawmakers here in Illinois? What message, a couple bullet points, do they need to get across to their lawmakers? It didn't make my community better. The tax dollars are are not there. So when we're talking about the revenue you're going to generate, well, we didn't generate a lot of tax bases and tax money by legalizing cigarettes, and we certainly didn't come out a winner when we legalized alcohol. And we're not coming out a winner legalizing pot for tax dollars. If you're legalizing marijuana simply for taxes, eh, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose your kids and your communities. Our community is not better because we have legalized pot. Our schools, are, our teachers had to go on strike for a 2% pay raise. But all that money was going to go to the schools, right? Right. I think, don't think our schools have seen anything, any of that, or if they have, it's not much. And two of our schools are going to be sold to some company no kidding. in our community. So we're definitely not better because we have pot, and then we certainly have all the side effects of having legalized marijuana. They're not going to be sold to a marijuana company, are they? (laughs) Correct. We have. And and who do we hold harmful for that? You lose one or two kids. This is a long-term issue. And, I mean, you start them on, we don't know. We don't know what kid becomes psychotic, but we do know the earlier you use, the more likely you are to have a psychotic break. And sometimes it doesn't get better. As an emergency room physician, do you also see um, the results of pot use on our highways? Yeah, we have seen, it's very hard, and it's a very big point of controversy, testing for marijuana um, based on the five nanograms. It's it's very lipophilic, meaning it likes fat, so when you smoke it, you have a blood level that's um, very short-lived before it's absorbed into your fat. Um, So blood testing is very difficult because not only that, they can't draw blood on scene, so that's been an issue. But yes, we're seeing, what we're seeing a lot of is more DUIs with polysubstance, so multiple substances and not just marijuana. But where it used to be just alcohol, now it's alcohol and marijuana um, or alcohol and opiates or marijuana and opiates. So we're seeing And how do they interact with each other, right? I mean, could they uh, enhance the effects? So we call them synergistic and they potentiate the effects of one another. Yes, so they totally enhance, yeah. We're running low on time, but I have a question. Let's look down the road here, maybe 10 years from now. And let's say 10 years from now, uh, marijuana has been legal in Illinois. Can we expect, you're a medical professional, can we expect increased cases of lung cancer and emphysema as a result of people smoking marijuana? And what other things, maybe? Oh, most definitely. So 
They always say that marijuana didn't cause lung cancer. That's not true. There are definitely case reports. And in the olden days, or not the olden days, but in the days of Woodstock, et cetera, people were smoking once or twice a week, maybe. The sure. heavy users, by criteria from the DSM manual, is like a heavy user is three times a week. We have people smoking multiple times a day. Yeah. And so, of course, you're going to see that. It's maybe not the THC itself, but it is the process of putting smoke in your lungs. And yes, we will definitely see lung cancer and lung disease. When I worked um, on the loading docks uh, after high school in the early 90s, I worked with a guy who smoked constantly. Uh, even throughout the eight-hour workday, he would go and, and take a one-hitter. <laughs> and he was constantly high. So um, I could only imagine. He, and he, that was the first place I ever heard about a water bong, by the way. I never heard about a water bong until I worked with this guy. So, I mean, that was the early invention of vaping, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, doctor, um, let's sum things up. What's your final message for folks who uh, are listening who may be saying to themselves, what's the big deal about legalizing marijuana? We've got legal uh, alcohol. Why not marijuana? Why not? Just come visit Southern Colorado and you'll see why not. It isn't beneficial to your community. More kids are definitely using, and it's crazy to think that kids aren't going to use more. There's no question that we know medically that the younger you use, the more likely you are to have problems. It hasn't made our community wealthier. Um, mm. There's a lot of people who are... Our community of 110,000 people in Pueblo itself, we have 69,000 on Medicaid. Has it made your community happier? No, <laughs> definitely has not. Those people who choose not to use are constantly dealing with people who do use, who drive. I saw a man driving down the highway wearing a bong, smoking while he was driving down the highway. Yep. But proponents will say, oh, that's just anecdotal, you know, so oh, we, gotta have, we can just write that off. Right. <laughs> yeah. Until it affects them. Well, and, and Dr. Randall sees it in the emergency room. Every day. Every, you every single shift I go to work. Yeah, correct. Right. Wow. Dr. Karen Randall, uh, emergency room physician in Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, she says, Illinois, don't go the route of Colorado That's and right. uh, legalize high-potency marijuana. Dave, we have a important meeting coming up February 22nd. Yes, Dr. Erwin Lutzer will be our special speaker to talk about the, the church in exile. So as, uh, as our culture drifts away from God, we're becoming more and more secular, and uh, there's consequences for that. And marijuana's going to help well, them drift even further. I, I think so. I think it's going to exasperate Although and we have expedite. the Church of Marijuana in Colorado. The Church of Marijuana. Just, oh, got, just got shut down. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so we right. want, want you to join us. Go to our website, IllinoisFamily.org, for more information. Click on the Events tab. Yep, February 22nd, 7 p.m., Jubilee Bible Church, 900 Foster Avenue, Medina, Illinois. You can call us at uh, 708-781-9328. Remember to tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. 
Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize. 